ladies, gentlemen, boops, in between, welcome one, welcome all, to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It's your boy, Daniel Fenton, the host to Self-Proclaimed Comic Relief. I'm joined by a trifecta today. I'm just going to get right into it because, frankly, we've been abhorrent, horrible, shite, Tottenham, Cedric, garbage at this whole podcasting thing lately. So we got to get... We got to get up and at him, fellas, and we got to get this thing posted because, frankly, folks, we're not even really going to touch on the opening game of the season against Nottingham Forest because we missed the mark. So we're just going to get after it and talk about some more general things. Um, with me first is the man, the myth, the legend with a versatile name, Rob Bob Bertha, the man that I so like to call, we'll just call him Mr. David today, like David Raya, but 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 just David, no Raya. Just, how you doing, David? Yeah, I've got to say my, my nose is a slightly different shape to David Ryer's. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone's had a, a good look at David Ryer's nose. And I, I don't claim to have a good nose, but his is quite bad. Um, I've heard he got it like reconstructed after he broke it. And it's sad to say that you can really tell, that you can really tell. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing very well. I'm going to blame the lack of post-game pod on Alfie because he's not here. So we might as well just blame him. Um, and yeah. Uh, send loads of abusive messages to that guy. Hashtag Alfie out. Um, his ad- his home address is actually going to be in the podcast description. So feel free to head over there with pitchforks, torches, and uh, James yeah. Guard's going to show up with a full like choir and orchestra to <laughs> to provide a soundtrack. <laughs> no, honestly. We had you off, What do? That's not going to fly. That's going to be crazy. Um, it's just going to be like a really dramatized version of the uh, like intro song, and he's going to hear it belting oh my the God. street, <laughs> just coming down his hill from the shops. Like, <laughs> oh my lord! Well, folks, you already heard his name. Um, it's a celebrity. Mac Sorry, Johnson is on the cut. Mac, what's up, dude? I broke in early. Um, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm having a great time. It's a pleasure to be back for what is, uh, I think, going to be an interesting episode. Maybe one that might instill some debates that we're always asking for on the show. Um, I think there, though, we missed the forest result. There's a lot to be discussed. Whether it's talking about Palace coming up, um, I believe on Monday. I forget when we're playing, or just. Now, good. I'm right. <laughs> Thank God. Um, or, you know, goings on at the club, outgoings, transfers, new people in, David Raya, other rumors, people to replace injuries. You know what it is. Um, I'm going to turn it back to you, Danny, and let's let's kick off. Cool, man. Sounds good. Um, yeah. We're not going to talk about that forest result, but we definitely have to talk about an elephant in the room that uh, sadly did occur and now we know see this is a good thing rob about being so lazy and not getting the podcast out in time is now we basically know all we're ever really gonna know about timber's injury um what the reports are saying that i've seen is we're talking seven to nine months that's the sort of general um amount of time you could usually expect a player to be out for this sort of an injury obviously it just it differs you know if it's granite jaka he's back next week if it's Kevin De Bruyne, he's back as soon as they're playing Arsenal. Like, it just really depends on the player that's that's injured. So, I guess we'll see. We don't really know Timber all that well yet. But, yeah, it looked sort of innocuous at first when it happened. 
um, against Forrest. But then as I watched it back a couple of times, these sort of injuries, Rob, are always the ones that worry me, where you don't actually see them bump into a player or get kicked or anything like that. And it's just an awkward sort of, oh, they stepped wrong. It doesn't look bad. Turns out they totally blew out their freaking knee. And the ACL, just a horrible injury to get. And now this is an issue we're going to have to contend with going into the rest of the season because he's just not going to be here, Rob. Yeah, it's a very awkward one. And I've got to say, like, until... Um, you know, the official reports came out from the club. I, I was just so in denial of it because it just, it didn't look like anything happened. You know, I think back to other major major ACL injuries. We saw one at the weekend with Tyrone Mings. He was stretched off. But, you know, the ones that we've seen at home with, with Rob Holding and Hector Bellerin, there's usually a, you know, a big outcry of, of pain and a clear like mislanding and I'm not saying that's the case with every single one I know there's others where players do manage to sort of uh, get themselves back on their feet and hobble off it, it's not always the same and you know that the strange thing with Timber is that by all accounts like even the day after he wasn't feeling much pain uh, it it is absolutely crazy um, but yeah yeah uh, it's a bit ironic, isn't it, that the guy that we've sort of brought in to provide the necessary cover uh, when our you know main players get injured is now injured. Um, so yeah, it's it's not looking great on that front. I was sort of wrote myself into thinking that we will be okay, but you know I've obviously had a few more days to digest the news, the timeline of. Um, when he's going to be out has been sort of confirmed. So, yeah, it's uh, it's one that uh, we're going to have to think long and hard, both as as fans and, you know, I'm sure Arteta and Edu are as well, about how we go about acting uh, as a result of this news. Yeah, it it's just gut-wrenching, man. Because, I mean, for me, next to Leandro Trossard, player of the preseason, and it's just like... He's not the last player I'd want to get injured. Oh, I don't want any of our players to get injured, obviously, but he's really one that I was super excited for going into the season. I'm a guy, though, Mac, that always tries to look for silver linings, especially in a situation as just depressing as this. Uh, first things first, by the way, condolences to Timber. This is just horrible. Playing for his, the, the team of his dreams and then getting his debut injury the first freaking competitive game like you can't make this up what an arsenal sort of situation to be honest I mean like this is just totally on brand um he might even be fangirling over it a little bit too because he's like that's how you know I'm officially an arsenal player because I got a crazy injury out of nowhere um it's just but it's just terrible I uh, but anyway I always try to look at the silver linings and Mac one for me is that this happened during a transfer window that is not usually how this sort of thing pans out. Generally speaking, it's a sort of Saliba situation where, oh crap, we've got about 10 games or so left in the season and we lost one of our most important players. We are screwed. At this point, we're not. We could do something to fix this for the short term, whether it be a loan, whether it be moving somebody into that position for a large portion of the season. I just kind of wanted to ask you, Mac, like, what did what do you think the club should do in this sort of situation? Because to be honest, it's probably not going to be a player that is going to be in the plans long term. So it might be a difficult deal to get over the line. 
but maybe it's one that's necessary given the circumstances. It's interesting. Um, you asked that, Danny, if not unexpected. It's a situation that I think a lot uh, Chelsea specifically have fallen into recently with the kind of continued injuries to Wesley Fafana. Um, you know, in the last two seasons, they've continued to bring in players to replace him, uh, with the newest being Axel de Sassi from Monaco. And they're now in this weird situation where they've got like five very good center backs who with the potential to fill like maybe a set of three if they play a three back under Potch for much longer. So like that, I think above all, is the one thing that I would caution against. Um, I would caution Arteta and Edu against going a play, like going for a player like we we would all want. I think in a player that was linked to us for a while, and like in Ivan Fresneda, right, who is young, up and coming, a player for the future, right, the type of player that within two or three years will be clamoring for spots in the squad for starting minutes. Um, Timber is only 22, if my knowledge serves me correctly, and he's got a lot of time to grow within this team. So, you know, even though he will be back late in the season, um, it'll be nice. I do think we'll actually get him back for the run-in, you know, for those final games. And maybe that's a time when our squad really needs some strengthening. I think the two options I've seen linked other than a renewed deal for Fresneda are Kyle Walker-Peters and Duao Cancelo. And I think that they are two very different types of transfer. Um, There's that um, Simakan yeah. as well. Simakan from Leipzig. Yeah. Who's been well, I agree. Yeah. Well, Mohamed Simakan, I think, falls almost into a similar profile as Timber, except he's very right-sided. He's not good off the left. Um, so we would kind of lose that flexibility. The other thing about Simakan is that he is, you know, like a similar mold to Timber in that he's of the age profile athleticism style in general where he would be kind of you know banging down the door for starting minutes um and where it would cause us a real headache it's it's the type of profile that i don't want us signing not because it's quality right like they're very quality players but because it get like we already have a headache with selection in terms of you yeah know, I, I, defenders, yeah right? i sense with that one and i'll let you um, no, carry on away. in a second. I sense with that one, it's just a journalist has picked up on a name we were looking at uh, a few months ago, but I think he was very much an alternative to Timber rather exactly. than someone who we would bring in alongside. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's one thing we know, we're great at backup options. But no, I think Walker Peters and Cancelo are both, in my mind, reasonable. Um, my issue with Joao Cancelo is that he's old. He's, you know, apparently disloyal he's had fallouts with both Bayern and city managers according to certain sources um the fact that he's looking for this high profile of a move and like saudi arabia haven't come in for him you know he's not playing for city he's kind of in this weird limbo spot and he's too good essentially to be ignored but i'm not sure necessarily how well he fits kind of into our team and system if there's one thing that we are not we are not a team with ego you know, that has been kind of against Mikel Arteta's ethos from the beginning. And he strikes me as an egotistic player. Kyle Walker-Peters, I think Rob, you tweeted about him earlier, would be my preferred replacement just because he's technically really good. He's good off the right and the left, and he's a very capable backup. Um, it is no mistake and kind of you can't avoid the fact that our alternatives for Timber being Tomiyasu and Zinchenko at left back, especially, um, are very injury prone. Um and so having somebody in Walker Peters who's less so would be nice. Um, but frankly, 
we've got the depth within the squad to kind of hold out, right? It's it, it, it's looking at last season's defense, healthy, functioning, doing very well. Timber was an additional piece to kind of shore up. But again, the reason last season's defense fell apart is because we had injuries to Tomiyasu, Zinchenko, and Saliba simultaneously, which is an absurd amount of bad luck. Um, and of course, I've gone this far without mentioning Kieran Tierney, who I know we're going to talk about later, which is why I'm kind of pocketing that. He's obviously a very capable deputy at left back. But I think that internal solutions are okay, but the Kyle Walker-Peters would be our best option just because he will be less expensive, more reasonable, and able to fill in a gap, kind of be a stopgap bridge transfer without breaking the budget. It is, in a sense, sensible, right? It puts another body where Timber can't be, but it's not going to kill the wage bill. He's not going to be clamoring for starting minutes. And above all, he is he's a quality player who I think could fit well within our side. So that would be what I would say. I don't really have any like new recommendations or players from around Europe because we're already a week into the season. It's not the time to enter a prolonged transfer saga or look for new options. Walker Peters knows the English game. He's a homegrown player if we need, you know, in case we need extra bodies to fill that quota. He's good enough to play for us. He's not amazing, but he's an upgrade on Cedric. So that's about all I could ask for, right? No, fair enough. I mean, it's a good idea, Rob. I, I, I don't mind the ideal uh, idea of, of Kyle Walker-Peters. Uh, great first part of his name, especially Kyle Walker. Um, but will it actually happen? I just don't really see us... I don't see us making this move. I, I think Raya might be our last signing of the window, apart from maybe a young wonder kid from South America again or something like one of those sort of profile of the signings, like a very low key cheap one. But I do think it's it's worth exploring. I, I If it were me, if I were in their position, I would want to get somebody in, preferably on like a loan or something. And then just just go from there. And yeah, maybe Kyle Walker Peters would be good, but you know, would he want to come in knowing that? Obviously, anything could change. He can hijack a spot, but it's realistic that he probably wouldn't, and he would just remain a bench player because I think that that would be his level is like ability to play for Arsenal, but not ability to always start for Arsenal. Yeah, but I, you know, at the end of the day, he is a Premier League quality player playing in the Championship at the moment, so. It, it it would likely appeal to him, I think. And I think if it were to happen, it would be one of those where a bit like Matty Ryan, we announce it out of the blue or like we just get an Ornstein um, an announcement late in the night at some point, maybe towards the end of the window. You, mean, uh, you, you do mean an Orny Bomba, correct? And, uh, yeah, that's exactly okay. what well, I, I mean. Was, I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> Uh, sorry for not using the correct terminology. Um, the kids wouldn't understand, would they? Um, but I think that's how it would sort of materialize. Um, you know, Arsenal um, have signed a right back from Southampton before in uh, in Cedric Suarez, uh, quite infamously. But, you know, we, we are said to have been speaking to them quite a bit throughout the summer about Lavia. He's ended up going to Chelsea. So, you know, there's probably some form of relationship there. Um, at the end of the day, it's very difficult for a club like Southampton to stand in the way of these established Premier League players. If if they do do one out, you know, eventually they had to cave in with War Prowse and Lavia. Um, so yeah, it's 
it's one that I think would happen under those circumstances. The way I see it is there's sort of two sides of this coin. There's the one side of the coin where Arteta is a very loyal man and he will want to trust the players that he's already got. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that um, he's going to trust the guys that have sort of let him down before and Rob Holding and Cedric. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'd like to think that Tommy Asu's injury problems might be behind him or, you know, because we've given Zinchenko a lot of time to sort of recover following his injury. Hopefully he's going to be injury free for a while. Um, touching lots of wood whilst I say all this stuff. Um, and then there's the other side of the coin where he looks at it and thinks, where did we fall short last season? We fell short because we lost our, you know, one of our best defenders. And if we're going into this season, uh, which we pretty much are now, with the exact same set of defenders that we had last season, um, yeah, I think that's going to give him a little bit of PTSD. Uh, so I'm sure it will be something that Arsenal are exploring. Uh, I think it's also worth noting, though, that as much as a lot of people don't like playing Thomas Partey at right back, he is more of like a feasible option there with Declan Rice in the squad because then we've got three options at six with Rice, Partey and Jorginho. So there sort of is an extra body at the back in the form of um, Thomas Partey. I don't doubt Declan Rice could also do a job at centre-back if need be. He's played there before. Um, there, there are alternatives here. It's not the exact same squad as last season, but I think as Arteta sort of said in his uh, presser earlier today, I think he said if the right opportunity comes up, a market opportunity perhaps similar to David Raya, uh, we'll, we'll snap it up. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that's the way Arteta and Edu are looking at it. Yeah, marketing opportunity of a lifetime, some may even say, Rob. Um, I, I don't think this... Yeah, I don't think we're going to get another player in this position, like I said. And I think that's largely down to the fact that for the rest of this transfer window, we have to start looking at offloading some of these players. There's so many players in this squad that we've been trying to get rid of for the entirety of the transfer window. And we talked about this a lot um, before the window even opened. We knew that a lot of these guys were not going to go until the end of the window because a lot of them, maybe nobody really wants. Um, Balogun, Tierney, those guys surprised me that they haven't gone yet, but I think those deals um, will still go through. Balogun, I'm 100% sure that one will go through. And then Tierney, I think it's going to be another weird one sort of out of the blue where it just pops up and he's gone. But Mac, we have to get players out the door before we, we start bringing in any more. Because frankly, we just, you know, when we talk about the defense, it's not like we're worried for a lack of personnel. We have plenty of players. It's just more, we we know that there's going to be a drop off in quality with Timber getting the injury. And then obviously you said it, Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, both extremely injury prone. Jury still out on QBR as well. We don't we don't know. We haven't really seen enough of the player, but we need to get rid of players, man. <laughs> so where do we begin? What needs to be done? Um, do we just need to kind of do what Edu said those few months ago? And with certain players like Pepe, like Cedric, where teams aren't going to come in, do we just need to sort of cut our losses and get them off the books to have that more trim squad that we've seen? Arteta does specialize in having? 
Well, it's been nice uh, because they've already tried to do it. Like, there's already been a pre-agreement, essentially, with Pepe. I think he was trying to go to Turkey, and they were like, yeah, we're happy to terminate your contract. That was kind of reported for a while. It hasn't happened, but there's there's a slight willingness to do so, I'm hoping. Um, Cedric, I think we're kind of screwed just because the player continues to want to push for a starting place. He announces at the beginning of every season that he's going to try to push for a starting place. I mean, hell, even on his Instagram story, he's like, you know, still working hard on the grind, whatever he posts. I don't, I don't follow him really, but like, you know, this is not a Mac exclusive. I heard this from Daniel right before he started, but like, (laughs) it's just one of those where I don't think that we are going to be able to offload him. I think Tierney is an interesting one. And, you know, to talk about recent links, Newcastle were in for him. They still need a left back, um, but they have also just splashed 35 million on Tino Livermento. So I'm not sure how willing they will be to kind of drop this a similar price tag on a player of Tierney's quality. They've just agreed 35 million for Lewis Hall as well, which is rather frustrating considering, you know, we've had a guy there all summer available for that money and they've gone for the the Chelsea player instead with seven professional appearances. Not to mention the significantly worse option. Like half of the people who are tagging that transfer are like, oh yeah, he's a midfielder. The other half are like, oh yeah, he's a defender. He plays left back, left mid, center mid. People really can't decide where Lewis Hall plays because Chelsea just shoehorned him in wherever they needed him. Um, I don't think he, you know, he's an unbelievable player, but it's frustrating. Um, Sociedad, Real Sociedad of Spain, were also interested, and there was a lot of butting heads over the structure of the deal. Arsenal were looking for a permanent transfer for Kieran Tierney. They wanted a loan, and unfortunate the same i think i, I can't yeah. see tyranny moving to spain anyway i've got no, to be neither can i he doesn't really fit it he's i mean for a player that loves the cold so much i cannot imagine him playing in boiling hot sociedad yeah it's um, like it's like sean dyche managing hitafe or something it's exactly. just it's not gonna happen it just know? doesn't work um could see him moving to germany though but there's been no interest there because the german teams don't have money um i think the other you know, big one being Flo Balogun. There's been a lot of talk about rejected offers and about how we kind of want to position him. And I think Eddie's been a bit of a scapegoat for that. Like, you know, we will reject a 25 million pound bid, frankly, insulting for Balogun. And it'll be like, oh, we're finally acting like a big club and demanding demanding value for money. And he's, you know, still at the club and people are complaining that Edu can't sell players. Like, Teams are trying to get him for cut price, and we're not willing to offer that, which, frankly, I think is admirable because we've got him on a pretty long-term deal, if I recall. I'm not sure where his contract status is, but I don't think it's short. Like, it's he's going to be under contract and going to be a high-value player for a while. Um, it's just a shame that we can't actually get somebody to buy him. Um, I see Daniel's laptop screen has just turned on, and I think he's probably doing a little bit of research on that one. But yeah, I think... Outside of that, Holding's going to stay. El Neni has been theoretically loaned out, although I think he may still be injured, and who knows. But I'm not sure really there is much more to cut off. Other than that, are there any other players that you were kind of seeing as needing to go, Daniel? Yeah, um, I was just checking. It, it's two years left on Balogun's contract, so yeah, we, we have, have the we have, have the power, really. Sambi as well. Sambi, yeah, Sambi. as well. Yeah, that's yeah, the one that's people totally forget fair. about. Yeah. 
True. I mean, I, he's a he's an enigma in the squad at this point. He doesn't appear in training. Like, that's yeah. what I, I just want these players gone on the you know yes. tournament basis because we we seem to have this every summer where we have these outcasts that we get rid of for a season and there they are in the preseason photos smiling and all happy to be back and like this was never the plan. It's really frustrating. I I've missed, missed Nuno Tavares by the way. That's the last one, and I'll let Rob take that just for. Just just before you, you you get into Nuno there, Rob, um, I think things are a bit different because with the likes of Nuno Tavares, Balogun, um, Tierney, we're talking about actually good players <laughs> that will generate some revenue. I know we've still got Cedrics, we've still got Pepe's, we've still got Rob Holdings, um, but it's nice to actually have some players that we know are going to generate some money. Um, I'm not sure exact. I saw a number associated with Nuno Tavares today that I'm not even going to say on the podcast because I don't think it's true. I think it's probably about 15 to 20, not that other number that I know everybody out there probably already saw. But it's just nice that, that yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob, Rob held it up. Uh, j- just, I'll give you a hint, folks. Remember when Theo Walcott was taken off um, and he held up the 2-0? Yeah, just just add a third finger. To, it's thirty. It's thirty million. I'll say it. Who cares? Um, I don't think we're gonna get that for Nuno. By the way, it'd be awesome, but I don't think so. Um, but we we have players that'll generate profit, Rob, and and now it's just sort of a case of get these deals done, facilitate them, take in the money, and get them out of here, basically. Yeah, I'd I'd like to think that we're sort of like at the end of the tunnel when it comes to like the sort of low balling um that we we seem to do when it when it comes to selling players um you know i think pretty much when we get rid of all the players that we've spoken about thus far in in this episode i can't really think of another player in this squad who like clubs would come in and sort of present disrespectful offers for just because you know like even someone like ml smith rowe like you just can't look past his Premier League numbers and his goal-scoring feats uh, season before last. And, you know, if you're getting anything below sort of that, that sort of 40 sort of range, I think you just point at the numbers and you say, X player got this many, we're going to rate him exactly the same way. Sort of like how Caicedo did it with Chelsea and um, Declan Rice. Uh, you know, we got Declan Rice for 105 um, so, um, Brian weren't going to sell Kaiseido for anything less than that. And, you know, fair play to them. They got a great deal in the end. Um, yeah, as, as for the, the players that are left, um, I, I do find it frustrating a player like Sambi. I can't believe there hasn't been like a proper offer for him. Like, even though, um, you know, he, he didn't have the flashiest loan spell at Palace. Uh, you know, he's he's a fine player. Um, he's got all the attributes a, a, a sort of decent Premier League midfielder needs. He's had good um, sort of performances in an Arsenal shirt and he did okay at Palace. Yeah. Maybe maybe another loan to Burnley would be fine. Um, that's, that's sort of all we've heard, though, about him. Um, Tavares, like... There was a very low number that was touted that sort of aggravated me, but now very high numbers out there. So 
I'd imagine we'll get somewhere in the middle. And I think 20 for a guy who's proven that even though there's a lot of raw talent there, he's quite unreliable would be pretty good business for us. Um, and then Balogun. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we're holding out, but I think eventually I'd rather that we just sort of like cave at 35, 40 and move on because it just feels like it's, it's dragging on and on. Okay, well, I, th- I think you may have just answered a question that I'm going to ask here and a little bit to both of you um, about about the valuation of Balogun. By the way, with with like a Lukonga, for example, I don't hate the idea of a loan to Burnley because I just... Well, no, just, that, yeah, that, that's different yeah. to someone like Pepe coming back after a season on loan at Nice. This is a guy who's, you know... He's got Belgium caps. He's a talented footballer. He's not going to be a nuisance when he comes back. Um, so, uh, yeah, I agree. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you know, favorable age, contract all the way until 2026, apparently, according to Transfer Market. And, um, yeah, so I think Lukong is like almost at the level. I, I think he's just not quite there. But when you watch him play, it looks like he's a guy that, that could get there one day. So that's why I wouldn't be opposed to that. But... Yeah, with with dudes like Pepe and stuff, it's just one of those things where you want to get them off the books. I guess let's let's go ahead to Balogun then, Mac. The question that I was going to ask Rob, this is the this is the money maker of the transfer window. This is going to be the player that generates the most revenue um, for us. Tottenham have been linked. Uh, they have our shitty little neighbors. Um, we live in a nice big red and white mansion, while they live in a little white shoebox. Um, However, they did just get 100 million pounds for Harry Kane, give or take. A little more than that, actually. Um, So this is what I was going to ask, Rob, Mac, but I'm going to ask you first. Monaco, 35 million pound bid. Tottenham Hotspur, 50 million pound bid. What are we doing? It's a struggle. It really is. Um... I mean, that's that's to say if Balogun would <laughs> like, even consider going to Spurs, yes. by the way. I mean, and I, I, I think he's posting the pictures of Thierry Henry on his fucking story. So, yeah. I mean. That said, he's also posting, like, Ronaldo Nazario for Inter highlights on his story. So, whatever, right? Here's my thing about Balogun. Um, I have loyalty to him as an Arsenal player and now as an American but I would say he's, I don't want to say he's never really been one of my favorites, right? But like, he has not done enough, or in my mind at least, said the right things to kind of deserve the type of like heartfelt loyalty towards, you know, I want him to stay at this club forever. But then you bring in Tottenham and that's where, the, that's where it gets tricky. Um, there's been a lot of theories that Tottenham have the suitable Harry Kane replacement in Richarlison bullshit and that you know they're not going to make any investments for the rest of the transfer window bullshit um they're looking for somebody and it actually frightens me how good flow balogun could be for them like it's an Ange system that's focused on you know strikers getting in behind forwards making darting runs being a nuisance um operates well in space good at driving with the ball it's everything that balogun looked like he could be playing last year in france and my reticence to let him go is honestly half predicated on that. The other fact is that it's Spurs. And if he, if he really starts balling out, I could not stand that for 
Tottenham, I think, end of the day, Danny, I'm going to go against everything I've been saying, and I would probably take 50 million to Spurs um, because it's 50 million, right? His valuation in my mind is at least, you know, 40 is the floor and 35 from Monaco is not enough to dissuade me from saying absolutely yes to 50 million. It's a lot of money. And especially with transfer amortization and all of the horrible buzzwords we've been hearing out of Chelsea, the way that, you know, deals are agreed, 50 million for Balogun essentially offsets a lot of the rice transfer and a lot of potential FFP debts. And that's big for us. Not that we have issues with it because our accounts are in good standing, but I think that I take that deal. Um, If they're willing to offer it, I take that deal because frankly, he is still as yet unproven. He could be amazing. And Lord knows the sun will publish something about former Arsenal star Flo Balogun balling out for rivals or whatever. I don't know how they write their article titles, but if the worst we get is the sun, then I think I'm okay. By the way, totally made up figure. Tottenham have not been linked with a oh, 50 million pound switch for, for but, Flo Balogun. But they have been linked for a deal, and that's what right. matters, right? Because they're one of the few clubs in for him that could actually spend the money he's worth. But I think if you were to, if hypothetically you were to give me 50, I'm taking it every day of the week. I, I You know, it's hard to disagree. It really is. Um, I, I would not like to see. I, as a Yank, Mac, you'll know this better than anybody. We we keep seeing players for our national team playing for clubs that we just hate. I mean, I, I hated seeing, I, I was happy for Tyler Adams to get those links to Chelsea because it'd be a step in the right direction for his career. Um, just, well, maybe not the right direction, but a step up to a bigger club. Um, he can play for Forrest now, which is fun. Yeah. That, I, I don't, I don't hate that. You know, him and Matt Turner linking up being dogs out there. Um, then Christian Pulisic for Chelsea obviously hated that. <laughs> Rob actually just shot himself on the air. Um, and yeah, but anyway, Rob, I'm going to kind of give you the same question, but I'm also going to bring in uh, a Fulham to the equation. Sorry, Mac, I totally forgot about them being interested. Um, they could probably offer a little bit more than Monaco could potentially offer. You'd think with that Premier League money, especially um, if Mitrovic goes to Saudi, especially and which I could definitely see coming to, fruition what a shame by the way I feel, I, Mitrovic I feel like has still has because he doesn't look like it but he is a very young player still um but just doesn't ever really look like he's gonna live up to that potential that he has obviously we'll see what happens but um yeah I, Mac just gave me it oh but anyway Rob 50 million from Tottenham 35 million from Fulham and Monaco what's up yeah I mean <laughs> You know, the, the Spurs links, before we, we, we talk about the hypotheticals, um, you know, similarly to where um, clubs have been with West Ham since they've sold Declan Rice, we'd be in a very strong position in those negotiations because we know they have money. Um, so so we could, if, if they're serious about Balogun, which I wouldn't actually be surprised if they were, and like... Yes, this is a slight against Spurs. My feelings about Balogun have sort of like changed a bit as the summer have progressed, purely because of the clubs that have been linked with him. Um, they're not, you know, decent clubs, but not like top, top caliber, which, you know, might say something about the, the quality of the player. Uh, you know, I think Spurs fans will probably be scratching their heads a little bit if they're looking at a guy that, you know, the likes of 
Monaco, uh, West Ham, Fulham. Uh, who else were linked with him at the start of the window? Uh, Inter Milan. To be fair, Inter are a big club, but the Italian league is, you know, struggling at the moment. Um, I think Spurs fans might be scratching their heads just a little bit. Um, but, you know, we're in a strong position in those negotiations if they really want him. Um, uh, can I just say, I do sympathize with them a bit, which I hate to admit, but the striker market is just horrible. It's grim. And, and, I, and yeah. I hope for that reason that we absolutely rinse someone uh, for Balogun. My hope with it is that it gets the dying embers of the window. Some club out there are absolutely desperate, desperate for a striker and we get a lot of money for him. And I don't like sort of operating in that way because it's risky. Uh, because, you know, you might have a sort of Odin Wingy situation where he's sort of out and about searching for a club, uh, waiting to do his medical outside, and then the clock strikes 12, uh, and he's stuck at Arsenal for the season. Um, but I think it's probably the way that we get the most money for him. Uh, I'd rather like the other players, we just get the deals done. Uh, but this is one that I would like you know, be happy to wait to the last minute to get as much money as possible because like, we will get money, even if it's 35. You know, I can see anywhere between 35 and 50 when it's eventually done. Yeah, as for the dilemma, um, you know, I think in an ideal world for all of us, he goes overseas and balls out and he's one of those players that we can look at from afar and be like, ah, oh, we made him, look how well he's doing abroad. Um, you know, we, we've sort of had that recently with with Akpom, who's gone over to Ajax. Um, that would That's just a really nice thing for us to look at, to see him get a big move to a big club after, you know, his years of, of stress. I'd, I'd love to see Balogun, you know, do really well abroad rather than in England. But we know that's where the money is, unfortunately. And um, I think I'd have to agree with Mac. Cash is king at the end of the day. I think at the moment we're quite far ahead of Spurs, so I don't really mind giving them our, you know, sort of deadwood because Balogun sort of is that, even though he's really valuable. Uh, but I'd want a significant sum of money from them um, and then like sort of 35, 40 from the likes of Fulham and West Ham and Monaco. Uh, I think at the moment that should be considered our, our minimum, but we'll see how things develop. Yeah. Um, many listeners may be happy to hear that I do not agree with that and would not want to sell them to Tottenham for any price. I don't want to ever have a deal between... On, on, we can only buy players from them. That's uh, I, I really like the thought of it. I think it makes Derby so much more fiery. And I agree, like I it's better that. when we take it off them. But, um, you know, to be fair, the idea of reverse Sol Campbell does hurt. But um, I just think that money would be hard to turn down from a club who are quite far behind us at the moment. It would be, and that's why I picked that figure, because I knew. I just knew. If I said 40, 45, you guys would be like, get the hell out of here, man. But that big 5 that's that's what got the conversation started, folks. That's why I get paid the big money here at the Arsenal Cannon. Well, oh, it's, it's an Arsenal transfer record at the end of the day, and that's very <laughs> difficult to turn down. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, obviously, we'll see what happens. Thing is about it, we have to get this player out the door. AFC Max 9, shout out to him. Um our most famous fan, I'm sure. Um, definitely because he, he writes for the site is why he listens to us. But, hey, game's a game. We, we'll take it. Um, 
he had he kind of like defended Balogun's antics on social media. He's like, I don't really see the big deal. I personally find them to be insufferable and just a bit fucking annoying, to be honest. I, I, I've that's how I would describe Balogun uh, just as a person on social media, especially. It's just very annoying, like just constantly flirting with inter. You know, the the whole thing about posting him as Captain America saying his transfer value. It's just all left a yucky, sour taste in my mouth. I saw a thing today of him doing the Thierry Henry celebration where he had his arm up on the corner flag. I didn't realize he was wishing Thierry Henry a happy birthday at first because his happy birthday was cut off in the picture. So I thought he just posted a picture of himself comparing himself to Thierry Henry. And I almost threw my phone out of... He would, in fairness, he would. Yeah, but but it wasn't. He was saying happy birthday. So basically, we're all totally confused and have no idea what's going on. I think if I think if Balogun saw like a real, you know, opportunity of playtime, I think he wouldn't have an issue with playing at Arsenal. But Mac, I think the thing is about it, like he doesn't see a path to the first team. Jesus is our starting striker. Kai Havertz is uh, well, I think he'd be second choice, but maybe not because Mikel Arteta really just loves Eddie and Ketia. And say what you about, want about I was about Eddie. to say that, yeah. Yeah, Eddie is just, frankly, everything that Balogun is not. You know, he, he's very... Lo- and I don't even mean that in the way of play style. I don't... Uh, play style excluded. I just mean personality type. Eddie is a hard worker. Uh, I'm not saying Balogun's not. But Eddie's one of those hard workers on the assembly line that maybe you don't notice. And I think that Arteta really likes that sort of a player that can just say, yeah, well, it's not really about me. It's about the badge. And I just don't see Balogun ever being a player like that. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to be a bit of a diva. I mean, number nines notoriously are that way. So, you know, obviously it hurts as a yank, but I think this is just one we have to get over the line. Um, I wanted to talk... Was there any other players I missed with in terms of like offloading? By the way, just before we move on, I don't believe so. I don't think so. Um, we have a couple players in house that I wanted to talk more like thoroughly about because we've been very efficient this episode, only at the forty-two minute mark, and I want to give these people a real show. I don't want to freaking not turn up after the game and give them a short one. So the first one we're going to come to is the new signing, um, David Raya. I was going to actually talk the, the other guys, Eddie and Ketia that I want to talk about, but I, maybe we'll, we'll save that. Let's, let's get into Raya first. Um, Rob, it's official. David Raya is an Arsenal player. Um, this was one of those weird out of the blue transfers that it just boom, boom, boom. We, we knew it was going to be done, especially considering he came to the community shield match. Um, yeah, he's here now. He's here to provide competition for Aaron Ramsdale. And I am still personally, not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, it's such a divisive one, isn't it? I feel like I'm I'm scrolling through my sort of Twitter timeline, um, and, <laughs> and Daniel's going to the toilet. Um, I feel like I'm scrolling through my t- Twitter timeline, and I'm seeing you know one person say how great of an idea it is to have two elite goalkeepers competing with each other, and then I see others. Uh, who just really hate the idea of having two real, like, top-quality goalkeepers in the squad. Um, you know, Arteta was asked about it today in his uh, in his presser. Um, and, 
His answer was quite simple. He just said that I want two uh, brilliant players in each position on the pitch. And if you look at why we signed someone like Yuri and Timber, that's exactly why we signed them because Timber is pretty, he is a right back, even though he can play across the back line. Um, and we already have a brilliant right back in Ben White. Uh, we even have another brilliant right back in Takehiro Tomiyasu. Uh, so that's why we've got Raya. Um, it's a it's a difficult one just because like historically when we've had like two pretty good goalkeepers um it's usually like led to the demise of one of their arsenal careers you look back to uh sort of Chesney and Ospina um Ospina sort of outlived Chesney displaced him uh and I know Chesney had some off the field issues uh but then you look more recently with Czech and Leno. Leno won out. Uh, Leno and Ramsdale. Ramsdale won out. So I, I, when you have two good goalkeepers, one does tend to win out. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll see a move for, for one of them in the not-too-distant future. Um, it's a strange one. Uh, it's not one that I saw coming this window. And I'm... I'm sort of wondering whether we would have done it if we knew that the the timber thing was going to happen. But you know, he he's brilliant with his feet, and let's face it, if Ramsdale's injured, we're not going to see a big drop off, which can only be a good thing. Definitely agreed. Go ahead, Mac. Yeah, man. Uh, I was just going to say, like, yes, we might see competition and see somebody take you know the starting spot and see somebody emerge as the overall number one. I guess my question is, like, yes, emotionally, in terms of it being, you know, their Arsenal career, is that a bad thing? Yeah, it is. I think it's the first time that we really had two goalies that I was, not say attached to, because I'm not really attached to David or I have never seen him play in the shirt, but at the same time, it's like, I would say with, you know, Chesney and Ospina, Chesney wasn't the goalie he is now, he was still young and unproven. With Czech and Leno, it was about upgrading, finding a goalie that could play in the modern game. I mean, that Czech like back pass that he plays out of bounds and almost scores an own goal on still like resounds in my head. Um, he was a good servant to the team, but like the main things that I think really came to the fore during his Arsenal tenure were his drawbacks. Um, the same can almost be said for. Like the the only real competition I'd say we'd had is Leno and Emmy, and that just ended with us selling Emmy for far more than he was arguably worth at the time, right? So, and again, Leno and Ramsdale, right? Ramsdale is a clear upgrade on Baron Leno. I don't care that he played very well in his first match for Fulham um, this season. He's been good for them because he's a good shot stopper, but like Ramsdale has been a massive upgrade. This is the first time I've really seen kind of or thought about two keepers that have parity. And if I'm wrong about that, it means somebody is outperforming the other, whether it's Ramsdale stepping up to the absurd level we know he has on occasion, or it's Raya just proving that he can reach the next level, that Ramsdale can't, whatever it might be, we're going to end up with a ridiculously good goalkeeper because they are both, in my opinion, top 10, if not top five in the Prem right now. And... To have that at our club is a luxury. To have that for the price we've paid is a luxury. Let's also not forget that this deal is a loan with an option, not an obligation to buy. And if Riot doesn't pan out, that's fine. We're testing the waters. We're testing our goalkeeper. Um, 
we're making sure that the person we've invested our future in, Aaron Ramsdale, has what it takes to maintain the number one spot again, you know, amidst competition, right? And if not, we've got a great backup. Like, to an extent, that's why I don't really see anything wrong with mm-hmm. this deal. Um, I think if it was a permanent transfer, it would scare me a little bit more. But honestly, in the spirit of winning the league and ascending to the next level of competition, and especially now that we are back in the Champions League, having two starting quality goalkeepers is really, really nice. Don't you find it sort of fascinating that Raya was like banging down the door to join us, uh, like as opposed to, to clubs that, you know, maybe wanted him as a number one or like an established number one? I was surprised that he didn't do more to get that move to Tottenham to go through. And I'm, I'm, I know that they kind of were I'm just not, like, do you want to play for Tottenham? <laughs> uh, no, no. I, well, I mean, I, I know it's only a step up of one point, apparently, if the table's anything to go by. But, you know, I, I just, I feel like it would be just guaranteed minutes. And it just really is perplexing that Tottenham didn't go for it. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know what their thought process was at all, to be honest with you. But yeah, I think from our perspective, it just it all looks perfect because yeah, Rob, you touched on it there. The player was keen; he wanted to come in. And then Mac, what you were saying, the structure of the deal, I think that took all of us by surprise. Like it, them just kind of out of nowhere being like, "Oh yeah, by the way, it's a loan. This controversial transfer is a loan." I, I do think we'll probably still end up buying the player at the end of it. Like I'm about ninety percent sure I we do will. too. But yeah, I think I, Brentford actually said in their announcement that to their sort of fans, like you might be wondering why it's been structured like this. It's just so that it can be done as soon as possible with our like FFP issues and stuff. So I mean, yeah, when they're coming out with statements like that, I think it's basically done that the player's gonna gonna sign. Um, Rob. We were talking about money in terms of Balogun and everything like that. But is it sort of one of those situations, too, where it's like, you know, you have Ramza who costs... Well, Ramza was about $30 million, if I'm not mistaken now, which sounded like a shit ton then. But nowadays, that's like, that's basically a dollar. Um, and then you have Raya who would end up costing close to that as well. You can realistically probably have two goalkeepers, if they each have good seasons, that are worth $50 million? given the market and how it's changing, how it's evolving, maybe even more. Max just pointing up towards the ceiling. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, according to the whatever CIES football observatory, is like the most valuable goalie in the world. And his price point is like 60, 80 million, something like that. Okay. They're constantly yeah, changing so it. But like, there you go. Yeah. I, but my, my one thing with that is I don't know who would pay it. You know, like the, the world of football is kind of broken at the moment. Like there's so many... T- leagues not just teams that are just totally broke so i don't really know who could who can make that happen apart from other premier league teams but yeah rob these this is two players that we bring in for say 60 odd million that's what one of them can potentially be worth this team's clearly moving in the right direction whether we like this transfer or understand this transfer or not yeah, it you you've got to think that it's a, it's a promising move and i i do think it will get the, the most out of Ramsdale. I mean, we've seen since the rumours even surfaced, um, that Community Shield performance by Ramsdale was incredible. Um, he's saving penalties all of a sudden, something that he's never been able to do. Uh, I thought he was pretty good in the Forest match, that Brendan Johnson chance early. I think he spread himself so well. And I think even though that 
Johnson was sort of um, slated for missing that opportunity. When I watched it back on replay, if I was the forward, I, I wouldn't have known where to put it. Obviously, the lob is the, the favourable option, but Ramsdale made himself so big, so well. Um, and yeah, Raya's got a job on his hands to displace Ramsdale. Um, but, you know, it is a serious test to Ramsdale because, you know, I'd imagine he's the sort of guy that he seems to get quite comfortable when he's uh, been playing for a little while. We might get 10 games into the season. Ramsdale might feel he's the, the established number one and his performances might drop off. And that might be the moment that Mikel Arteta goes bang, bang. We just, we don't know when it's going to happen. But I imagine that I would say with quite a bit of confidence that there might be a brief period this season or not even brief, maybe even extended that Raya will be the guy in goal and Ramsdale will face a bit of time on the touchline just because I think Ramsdale is a guy that at his age right now does need a little fire under his ass from time to time. I don't disagree. And and yeah, just Ramsdale in goalkeeper terms is an absolute infant, you know, like that. That's so, so young for a goalkeeper. The guy could, could quite literally have 20 more years in his career left. I mean, we we've seen it before and you know, guys like Buffon playing till they're 975 years old. It, the, the, those ages are just going to go up with sports science and, and everything, uh, everything like that. So um, then there was one more player I wanted to talk about, Mac. And I'm going to tie this sort of into, I know it's crazy to do because we you just never know, but we're going to touch on Palace just a little bit. It's a Monday fixture. Um, and why I wanted to tie Eddie and Kitia, who is the other player I wanted to talk about into this, was because I think Mr. Eddie will start again at Selhurst Park. Um, and I just kind of wanted to see, see your thoughts on that, see if you would agree um, with that decision from Arteta. Because, look, I personally have said on this podcast many times, I don't think Eddie is quite to the level at Arsenal. And I think in really in about a season or two, if if there's not like a drastic change, I think he'll be playing for someone else, but I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed with his performance against Nottingham Forest, and it wasn't just for the goal. I just like the tenacity he plays with, and he's just a bit of a mean motherfucker up there. So I wouldn't be opposed to him uh, him starting at at Crystal Palace, and and I think he will. So so what are you thinking about Eddie? Um, do you think his goal was goal and performance was enough to warrant him another start? And this what's sure to be a tricky tricky fixture away from home i do um for a number of reasons i think first of all Mikel arteta sometimes can operate with a bit of a you know if it's not broke don't fix it type of mentality he will if a team has a good result and he doesn't see the need to kind of do something different to challenge a particular opponent in the next match he will shame. tend to play it's a shame that the uh, ticketing team don't follow the same mantra oh, isn't it? it just isn't it just um we haven't even mentioned that. Anyway, yeah, fix your shit, man. But <laughs> regardless, Mac, I think is that, can I, I isn't it wild it, that yeah. they're they're just now using e tickets over there? I've been we've been using e tickets in the states since like 2011, man. It's just crazy to me. It's it's wild that they've just started. It's not wild that they've just started and it's not functioning. I remember like printing out, you know, printing out tickets for hockey games until like all the way through like high school because we weren't sure if the e-ticketing system would work like that's you know i've been there 
But uh, um, no, I think he'll start, and I think he deserves to. I think watching it immediately, like, first of all, we mentioned earlier that it's, you know, Jesus and then Eddie, and then we thought Kai Havertz. Hell, I would probably prefer Leandro Trossard to Kai Havertz right now just because of the form he was in in preseason and because I love the player. But I think it's so interesting that Eddie has kind of started to vindicate his, you know, starting place. Arteta said in his interview he was training in a way that was like, if you don't start me, that's on you. And he started him. Um, you know, that graph. He, he I seems love. like he could be a bit of a wanker sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here lambasting Balogun sure. for the same thing, by the way. It seems like Eddie could be a bit of a dickhead. Sometimes. No, but, I, I, but I think it's more that. of like, um, sort of teacher's pet wanker rather yeah, than. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, it's the very clearly demonstrating his hard work ethic, right? Rather than, you know, playing up himself, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I think he's likely to start. Um, and I think I frankly would like to see him start just to see if he can get his feet under him. Um, it does rather undermine my one goal, zero assists prediction from the drunk cast because he's already gotten his goal. Um, and I got flamed rightly by AFC Max 9 in the chat for that one. I just didn't expect him to play. And you know what? Now that he's shown that he can and kind of broken his duck vis-a-vis um, playing against teams in a low block, you know, he put in a pretty classically Eddie performance. He was frustrating where I usually find him frustrating. And he scored not the most pretty of finishes, but a lovely goal um, off of some Martinelli brilliance good to see the two of them combining you know because they never do um so yeah yeah i think he starts (laughs) it wasn't right i think he starts i think his work has vindicated that start do i think he stays on for the entire match no but i think just on match one merit he probably deserves to start match week two who are the other 10 that you're going to play with them mac just go ahead and give me your full starting that was smart um I'm going to say Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tomoyasu. I don't think Zinchenko's fully fit um, because he's kind of just back from that calf. I think it's going to be Rice, Partey, Odegaard, no surprises there, and then Martinelli and Ketia Saka. That's my prediction. I 100% agree with that. Any any grievances on Enketia, Rob, or, or grievances on the predicted lineup in general? I've got to say, I think that the lineup will be much less experimental. Uh, I think Arteta earmarked Forest as a game that was like, I'm going to try some things here. I mean, we literally played with a back, like, sort of six of right footed players, which is literally against everything Arteta has ever done as Arsenal manager. It was, it was quite weird as a lineup, but I think it probably shows how great Timber has been. Um, I mean, I would personally be doing everything we can to see Zinchenko play. Uh, I'd imagine he's sort of been being prepped for a game like this where eventually he can be thrown in. Hence, he's been very much looked after. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I reckon Tommy will probably be given that start. Um, and yeah, it might be a, a, a bit of a different performance where we see Rice and uh, Partey quite deep doing most of the progression. A lot of overlapping from Ben White on the right-hand side. Um, and yeah, sort of leaving the forwards to their own devices. I I personally think that 
having a, a player dropping in and um, like contributing more to the build up in the final third would be better for that as opposed to Eddie. So someone like a Havertz. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with what Mac was saying about the um, don't fix what isn't broke. And I do see Arteta just sticking with Eddie um, because at the end of the day, Eddie has been kept at the club this summer uh, and we're going to have to give him a run at games at some point, And it's probably best we do it whilst Jesus is out. Yeah. And, and from the start at that, because we've discussed this, you know, many a times at the, in the past, he is not a player that comes off the bench and makes any real impact. So, you know, maybe it is one of those things with, with all the substitutions you could have now where you do play Eddie for 50, 60 minutes. And if it's not working, you opt for a Kai Havertz or Leandro Trossard. Um, obviously we know Mikel Arteta likes to wait to make his substitutions until the 89th minute, but, uh, you know, I, maybe that is the, the game plan. I'm not so sure. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Rob, I'm, I'm quite nervous for this one, to be honest with you. Selhurst park is a difficult place, um, to, to go and play, but I think, I think we're a good enough team to get a result there now. And as we all know, we keep clean sheets at home. So I am going to go with the scoreline of two goals to nil. I wanted to see oh, what hey, you, you mean. Yes. Clean sheets away. Sorry, clean sheets away. Yeah, my, my apologies. Yeah, we keep clean sheets away. We do not keep them at home ever um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, so I'm going with well, I'm going with our first clean sheet of the season. Uh, it's going to be Ramsdale's clean sheet, by the way. 2-0. Um, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Ramsdale definitely plays. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the sort of game that we just won over and over again last season. We didn't let these crowds get on top of us or anything at any point apart from maybe that Everton away match. Um, it's something that we've really grown to deal with. I imagine, yeah, Gabriel's going to come back in after being benched last week. Uh, yeah, I don't see us conceding many chances. I don't even know if we'll create loads, but I, I imagine it will be quite comfortable. Um, one or two now, yeah. Yeah, about the same for me. Um, I was going to say 3-0 to be optimistic, and I'll stick with that just because I predicted the England Matilda score right yesterday. So I'm I'm feeling my oats or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely keep a clean sheet. I think it'll be much more convincing. Um, I think that, with Z- frankly, Palace don't convince me. Um this season yes they won their first game yes it was against sheffield united who i think are going to be dreadful um although they have signed quite a good young midfielder so good for them but there's my dog um but i do think that um i think it'll be an interesting game i think that if we can stop jordan ayu who somehow is still their like best attacking threat then we'll probably be all right (laughs) How long I don't, has this guy been around? I mean, don't I don't understand why he is as effective as he is because he's not that good, but he just he manages to screw us. So if we can lock him down, which I think Tomiyasu can very much do, we'll be all right. Damn. So actually, crazily enough, none of us have Mister Olize scoring, pulling his shirt off to reveal an undershirt that says "Fuck Chelsea" on Palace Forever. That's surprising. I thought at least one of us were going to have Olize getting a. Uh, 
What a crazy saga, right? I thought that was a, I thought he was a Chelsea player for sure, but I'm delighted that he's not. Wow. Well, they paid his release clause, and then he's like, nah, fuck them kids. Like, it's like, <laughs> it was wait, awesome. they have 87 wingers. Let me not go there. Smart kid. No, and, and Palace have like bullied Chelsea out of that saga. They've, they've done what clubs should do more often with these things and just said, you know what, we're going to take you to tribunal because you've clearly tapped up our player because it happens all the time. And Chelsea have backed down. It's brilliant. Great to see him lose one for once. Uh, obviously, we're really only used to seeing Chelsea lose on the pitch. It's great to see them lose in the transfer market that their fans consider the fucking... The, 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 oh, God, Chelsea fans are just disgusting, man. They literally only care about transfers because their their team stinks. Like, dude, I look at that team and I'm like, this is the side that they're spending hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of millions on? They look crap, dude. I mean, if you listen to Alan Riley, Enzo's the second coming of Christ. But um, well, to be fair, I think Enzo's like one he's a great player and all. But yeah, linings in that team, man. And the other's thirty-nine years old. So um, he's seen Reese James is injured again. That guy can't catch a break. No, he isn't. Is he actually? Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I I feel quite bad for Reese James. I honestly do. Like he might be Chelsea captain, but. That kid just needs some time on the field, man. Oh, he's a great that, player. That stinks. I mean, yeah. Speaking of injuries, also, I do want to shout out uh, the world of football for not ever giving players a rest. Um, we've mentioned Tyrone Mings. Also, Emmy Buendia um, messed up his leg really badly in a training incident. Uh, yeah, another ACL, so, yeah. And yeah, yeah. So over him. Um, Real Madrid. Oh, and and Tebow Quartz as yeah, well. Yeah. So, uh, hey, six ACLs in the opening weekend of football. I wonder why. Just saying. Yep. Kevin De Bruyne out too. One of their main guys that brings in uh, uh, watching traffic. Don't know if you already said him because I'm losing track because of how many players. No, I didn't. Um, yeah. No, it's disgusting. And the powers of I'm Honestly, I'm, I'm devastated for all the players that got injured. But uh, I hope the powers of B take this as a lesson that, yeah, these these guys are human. You can't just expect them to play throughout the entire year. Like it's it's ridiculous. Um, they won't. No, I know it's all greed. It's all greed. Okay, folks, it's been an hour and five. Um, Mac already did a shout out, but we're we're gonna come back to him shortly for another one. Um, because I know that wasn't his real marketing opportunity of a lifetime. Anyway, marketing opportunity of a lifetime two. Raya, David, what do you got for me? Uh, I uh alluded to it at the top of the show i wrote a little piece for we love you arsenal.co.uk the other day uh just discussing how arsenal act post uh timber injury so if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that do go check that out very good indeed um yeah go check out all the amazing pieces on we love you arsenal.co.uk uh, mac what do you have uh gonna market my lovely family and the Maryland women's soccer team, I'm going to go watch them play their first game of the season against American University. Yes, that's actually a college in D.C. Um, for those who are not from the States, um, it should be fun. One of my like favorite people in the world is coming to watch Hallie play, and she does not know. So if this podcast somehow goes up in the next 25 minutes, she might take a listen. Uh, she never listens to the show, so it doesn't matter. But yeah. Just excited for that. Um, and my second marketing opportunity, because I can do this, is uh, marketing opportunity for the sport of pickleball. 
Um, I have played pickleball. Uh, dude, shout out to him. Yeah. Pickleball five times in the last five days. I'm weirdly falling in love with geriatric tennis. So yeah, shout out pickleball. Good sport. Rob, you don't know what pickleball is. Huh. I've never heard of pickleball, but maybe, maybe, maybe as it's the marketing opportunity of a lifetime that you've used so brazenly, uh, I will go check it out. Do so. Yeah. They, there's a, there's a small town near me, Matt called Punagorda, where they have like a huge, uh, pickleball tournament every year, like hundreds of hundreds of old people play it. And it's, uh, it's pickleball's fun, man. It's like tennis boat with a wood paddle. Well, Rob, yeah. you know, like, you know, like paddle tennis, that's yeah. really popular yeah. in Europe. We, right? we, is it, a, is it that pretty much? So it's paddle tennis, but with like a wiffle ball and on an open tennis court instead of in like that cage. Oh, so, so there's no, yeah. So it's like sort of, um, like paddle, but on a normal tennis court so it's not just tennis trying to be squash type thing it's yes it's just one of the wonderful variations yes except you play in essentially just the service court right and 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 we of course we americans of course had to name it after a food because that's what we do um there was uh, oh my marketing opportunity of a lifetime real quick Um, i'm getting ahead of myself um there's a new finton's frolic dropping today it's a team of regens. Shout out to that FIFA terminology for those that know it. Um, spoiler for the first two. It's Bukayo Saka, Iron Robin, Declan Rice, Sergio Busquets. It's going to be a fun piece. Get into it. It's uh, it's fun. And then, obviously, for those that have read the Fintan's Frolic before, all two of you, you know it gets a little wacky at the end. I start to just go start to go crazy. Um Rob, there's one more thing, though, that rhymes with, like, three sneed... A song? We need a song, right? Ah, that's it. I uh, I've actually never heard this song. I literally just thought it was quite topical. It's called "Never Meet Your Heroes" by a band called Mesh, um, and I thought that it was topical because Urian Timber has met his heroes. He's moved to his hero club, and sadly, things have turned a bit pear shaped. Sadly, he's going down, and we're not yelling timber. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was topical because you've met Laura Woods, and then she didn't commentate on the first oh, match week mate, of mate. of TNT Sport or whatever the hell. You Don't guys even about. talk about it. Don't even go there. Apparently, she's exclusively on Champions League coverage. I've been informed, but still, they're missing a trick. Ah, well. Shout out to Laura Woods. Shout out to Jerry and Timber. Shout out to whatever the heck that song Rob is going to play is. Apologies for any obscenities or whatever that may be in the song because we don't even know what he's about to pick. It, this could be the worst song ever. It could be the F word every other every other word. I don't know what's going to happen. But um, thanks for tuning in. Leave a review. Um, that's all I have to say. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. All those years of waiting You don't know why you want it Just some confirmation You didn't think it through Or it wouldn't be about you You don't have time for respect It has to be what you expect So you got to this place
just too much to hold That you both enjoy the joke But the moment's come and gone And everything is all so wrong So you got to this place Dreams are